0: The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. You can get a free 3-day trial of the Ground School app by visiting learnthefinerpoints.com.
1: My name is Scott Casmore. I am 60 years old. I live in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I fly a Cessna 421C which I just got about a month ago and it's based out of Phoenix Deer Valley
0: av nation what is going on and welcome back to the pilot to pilot podcast my name is justin seams and i am your host Today's episode features Scott Passmore. Scott Passmore is a pilot. He flies a Cessna 421, and he is also a news anchor on Good Morning Arizona. Uh, you can find him out flying his 421 pretty much all over the place, going from house buildings to, to family vacations in the Ozarks So just doing so many cool things. Scott has a, an incredible story. He got into aviation way late in his career, and if it wasn't for being a news anchor and, and his actual main job, then I don't know, and he doesn't know if he ever would even be a pilot right now. So it's, it's really cool and really fascinating how aviation is, is open to people in so many different ways. And when they find out how easy it is to become a pilot. when I say easy, I mean, get into the industry, to go start, to, to go take your first intro flight, to go take your first flight in general. It is very, very easy. Then the hard work comes after that. So if you know someone that thinks they want to be in aviation or doesn't even know, send them a podcast episode. If you never know if that's going to be the one that gets them into aviation and lets them get the bug. And then you have a best friend for life because you guys are obsessed with aviation together. There. Aviation, I hope you're having a great day. Uh, this podcast is, is awesome. I am truly thankful for Scott coming on. Uh, my wife actually told me to get him on, which is funny, a couple months ago, and I'm finally getting to it. So, Scott, thank you for coming on. But if you enjoyed the podcast, leave a review, force your friends to subscribe, listen, do all that fun stuff, and check out Pilot's Coffee, and check out our Instagram, at Pilot the Pilot. This is episode 200. That is absolutely insane. I know in a couple podcasts ago, I said, what's going to come first, a baby or episode 200. So this is a week away from when I'm recording it. So it's still a race. We don't know what's going to happen, but as of I'm recording this, there's no baby. It could come today. Due date's 1224. So it's uh, not too far away. It's uh, exciting times. But Avi Nation, I want to keep you in here longer. So without any further ado, here's Scott Passmore. Scott, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast.
1: Oh, it's great to be on here. Thank you, Justin.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, So my wife, actually, I don't know how this happened, but somehow she found your account or she was looking at, I forget what it was. Maybe you popped up on her feed and she was like, you need to interview this guy. And so what do I do naturally? I listen to a person that's smarter than me and I reach out to you and here we are today. Always got to listen to mama, right? Always. Yes, always. So uh, yeah, I've been following your account for a while and I've been intrigued. I mean, you look like you live uh, a a sick life. I mean, just looking at the outside, looking in, golfing, doing fun stuff on TV. Uh, You just bought a plane, like you said. So I'm really excited to kind of dive in and hear your story.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I totally believe in living life to the fullest. And so I try to do that.
0: So let's start with uh with with you. Why did you want to be a pilot? Is this been a lifelong dream of yours? Is this something you realized later in life? Give me the uh the long story about why you became a pilot and what what it was that got you in aviation.
1: It, it for sure started later in life. I'm lucky enough to work in television. I anchor a, a morning show in Arizona called Good Morning Arizona. So uh through my job, I've been able to go up in a lot of different planes over the years. I mean, I've been up in aerobatic planes. I I got to go in a Blue Angel. I got to go in an F-16 out of Luke. And so I used to, you know, I've done rolls and jets and biplanes and helicopters. So I've been fortunate enough to be really exposed to the aviation world through my job. And um, I used to think, oh, I'd love to fly, but you know, I don't think that the skies need me up there with all the professional pilots. And it was kind of a bad attitude. And then I went up with this uh, pilot out at Luke Air Force Base. I was fortunate enough to go up with him in an F-16. And, it, and I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to do that, Justin, but it's, it'll be the best thing you've ever done in your entire life. I have so much respect for the pilots in our military. And I got down and I was driving home and I thought to myself, you know, I do want to fly. I want to learn how to fly. And there is room up there for me, just like everybody else. And so I was out at uh, Deer Valley Airport, and I made a phone call to a name that somebody hit me up with, and he happened to be a local instructor, but he was also chief pilot uh, for Phoenix Police Department, and he taught on the side. So I just jumped in feet first and learned how to fly, and did it in you know the same time that everybody else does it in probably six to eight months. And then I started flying in 172. I, he had a couple, so I rented his plane. And just found it to be the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And then I got a hangar out here, and then I decided to buy my own plane. So the first plane for me was an RV6, which was very affordable. I think I picked it up for about sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, and it flew fast, you know, 200 miles an hour on eight, eight gallons an hour, and it was a two-seater. So, God, we flew that every, everywhere. We went to the Reno races. I flew it to California a ton and just had an awesome time. So I logged... Uh, a couple hundred, two, three hundred hours in that. And then I decided I wanted to get something a little bigger, a little faster. So then I bought a Columbia 400 and then I flew that for about four years. And then I decided I wanted to go bigger and faster and higher. And then I just got a Cessna 421. So it was kind of a big leap from from the Columbia to the 421, but I'm so glad. I love this plane so far.
0: Yeah, I saw when you were picking it up. You picked it up in Michigan, right? And you had to fly through a bunch of icing on your checkout flight?
1: It it was one of those times, you know, we were supposed to pick it up at various weekends, but the plane kept getting, you know, delayed for whatever reason because I had a new panel put on it and a new interior and they had issues with everything, you know, like everything these days and delays, you know, it was so frustrating. So finally, by the time we went to pick it up, it was like, oh, damn, it's going to be terrible weather. So the morning we were supposed to leave and fly it back, I was with my instructor, my my instrument instructor. Uh, we we had a delay of about three hours because of heavy fog, and then when we took off, we had to divert and go north on this storm up up near Minnesota into Sioux Falls and spent the night there, and then into Colorado. Uh, actually, we we stopped in Sioux Falls and then flew into Colorado and spent the night, and then flew it into Phoenix. So it was. It was, uh, you know, that was part of my training uh, on the flight back. So it was pretty interesting flying between layers and, you know, above the clouds. And it was just so exciting. It was so fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're buying that kind of plane, you're probably going to be flying in those kind of conditions. So why not start out in your first flight, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, totally. I I was a little, you know, a little nervous crawling in something that big for the first time. I had flown my Instructors 310 uh, and I learned to fly. I got my multi in a Seneca. Uh, so, but, but this is quite a bit bigger. So it, it's a little nerve wracking when you crawl up there, you kind of question yourself. Hey, can I do this? I mean, am I able to fly this kind of a plane, but yeah, we just jumped in feet first and that's the best way to do it. I think, don't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you've got an instructor with you too, so you feel comfortable, then why not? Yeah.
1: True. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely. Uh, I do have an interesting question. So, if you weren't afforded the opportunities uh, with being on TV to go up in these airplanes, to go fly an F 16, to do all the fun stuff you did that introduced you to aviation, do you think it's very plausible to say that you would never, you wouldn't be in the position you're right now and you wouldn't have a 421 or have gotten in an airplane to go fly at all?
1: No, I, I, I really can afford it, not because of my TV job, but I have a second job where I build uh, custom homes. And I live in them for a couple of years, and then I sell them. So that that's enabled me to afford this plane. Not so much my other job, but I was exposed to it through TV, and you know, having the opportunity that a lot of people don't have. So yeah, it's kind of a yeah, and no answer to that question. So financially, it's because I work two jobs, but um, I was exposed to it through through being on TV and just having that opportunity. And granted, I do have a lot of friends now in aviation that maybe I wouldn't have met had I not gotten into flying myself. But now, now I just have so many friends in aviation and we all do the same thing. We all share experiences. And so that, that's what makes it so fun. Absolutely.
0: But if it wasn't for that F-16 ride or any of those rides you have a TV, do you think you would have gotten into aviation? Or do you think you would have never had the opportunity no, to?
1: No, that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity. And the F-16 ride sent me over the edge. I mean, I just... I mean, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to do something crazy like that. Oh my God. It's just, I I mean, I just have so much respect for those pilots to, to, to be able to do what they do and to have that opportunity. I am, I just am one lucky person to be able to go up in that thing.
0: And unfortunately, all your flying will be downhill from that moment. (laughs) It's not as exciting. (laughs) In fact, the the
1: guy that took me up, uh, we became friends and just, you know, this guy was so cool. It looked like he could have been a, a movie star. It was just so amazing. and such a good pilot. And I told him, I, I kept in touch with him. I go, Hey, I, I got my pilot's license. And it was when I had my Columbia, I go, if you want, I owe you a right. I'll take you up in the Columbia. And he's like, nah, that's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like my plane better. I'm good. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, where are you going to go after yeah. that?
0: So, how quick after these these uh, plane rides or these opportunities did you go like, hey, I can do this? Like, if if these people can do it, then I can do it.
1: I would say I did my private right afterwards. I jumped into it, and after I got the you know found the person that I wanted to learn from, and uh, I had the money. Of course, it was a lot cheaper back then. It was about twelve years ago. I think it cost me you know maybe ten thousand dollars or something like that. And um, and then I flew for probably about. 3 years, maybe 4 years. Now probably 5 or 6. And then I decided, you know, I need to get my instrument cuz I was flying out to Southern California quite a bit and you know the marine layer out there and I can't tell you how many times I would fight that layer and wait until the late afternoon so I could have sunshine and which is mostly the case here in Arizona, you know, 356. But so it took me a while to do that. And then I I knew I fly back to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri quite a bit and I knew I wanted a bigger plane so I wouldn't have to put on the oxygen mask and I wanted to fly higher and possibly make it nonstop so that's when I decided to go to Twin and then I did my multi about uh, about 2 3 years ago I'd say
0: Were you surprised at how easy it is to get into aviation as someone that has had pretty much no experience and no exposure to to starting flying or anything like that? But were you surprised that it's as easy as just one phone call to an FBO or just literally showing up and be like, hey, I'd like to do intro flight. Like, all right, cool. We can go in 30 minutes. You ready?
1: You know, you're so right. That's such a good point. You make the phone call, you go, okay, I want to take this introductory flight like to see what it's like and then you get in this plane and he's like okay uh, pull back on the yoke and give it the gas and it's all yours I'm like really I'm, I mean I'm taking off in this plane I mean that's phenomenal and then, and then when I started flying that really hit me when I started uh, crossing the bravo of phoenix sky harbor uh, bravo airspace from the north to get to get to the south so you know you have to call him up and ask for uh, you know permission to go across and I remember the first time I was in the 172 by myself, I was just learning, I was still a student and I'm flying over Sky Harbor Airport looking down at these huge jets landing right below me and I'm thinking, this is unreal. I mean, here I am maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 hours, whatever into my flying experience and I'm flying over these huge jets. I'm looking down on these, this airport flying across. It's just, it's just amazing when you look at it that way when you go from nothing, always being locked on the ground to jumping in a plane, you got all the controls to yourself, you're taking off, and then you're just flying around. It's just amazing.
0: Were you hooked right away? I mean, obviously, you we're in the F-16, but uh, when you're going in for that 172 for your first flight, did you have any, I guess, after the flight, were you a little bit hesitant? Like, maybe I don't want to do this. Or were you just nope. all in? Like, let's go. Nope. Get it done.
1: Nope. I was I was all in. I, um, I was so excited about it. I think I... I soloed pretty fast. I think I soloed like at 12 hours. And so it was just so exciting to me. I, I, I've raced sprint cars in my life. I I love boats. I love uh, going fast in boats, but flying has been the most exciting thing by far because, you know, everybody says the same thing, the freedom that you have, you know, when you, when you think about when you fly a commercial, you got to go down to the airport two hours early, fight the crowd, wear the mask, go through security and then sit there for another hour and a half waiting for this flight. And then it's like a cattle call getting on your plane. But when you can go out to your, your hangar and pull your car in your hangar and jump, jump on your plane, whatever kind of plane it is, it doesn't matter. And just to take off and go somewhere it's to, to have that ability. It's just so fortunate. It's, I, I thank my lucky stars every single day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it it is a wild freedom that not everyone knows. And unfortunately not everyone's able to to have that opportunity, Uh, whether they just think they're not good enough to fly. think they're smart enough or they just don't even know, like we talked about earlier, how easy it is to just go in and get into this community and go try to fly.
1: Yeah. You mentioned a good point. I, because I'm, on television i do have a lot of viewers a uh, few that will will look me up and go hey my my son wants to do this and i just am so excited about new pilots and i think because of the pandemic i've heard that more and more people are learning to fly over this past year which i think is fantastic it makes it makes the airplane market pretty tough if you're out there looking for a plane everything's more expensive but to to know that more and more especially young people are learning to fly i don't think there's anything more exciting i i encourage Anyone and everyone. I don't care if you're, you know, eighteen or you're you're sixty like me. If it's something you want to do, you you know, you get one go around in life, and I say go for it and go out there and get it done. And I tell people it'll be the best thing you ever did.
0: I agree, and I also tell people that uh, that are afraid to fly commercially, that don't like to fly, that the best thing you can do is go hop in a small plane and fly yourself and get a better understanding of what turbulence is, of what the controls and what it actually means to fly and like what the wings do and get a better understanding. And you might find yourself enjoying flying a lot more than you thought you did.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, working in television news, you know, we have airplane crashes from time to time and my coworkers always look over and go, really, you're still going to fly after seeing that? And I'm like, you know, I mean, there's car crashes every single day and I guarantee it's safer than heading out here on the freeway and going to work with millions of cars around you. Um, I, so that I always tell them, no, of course that doesn't scare me. I, I trust myself. I trust the the process and the procedure and all your training and, you know, people make mistakes just like they do in cars, but I, I do feel it's very safe and that, that never bothers me. And, and, and it's, and it is surprising. You, you, you mentioned, it is surprising how many people, Go! Oh my God! I don't want to fly in a small airplane. They're, they crash. They're so dangerous. And so I, I fight that battle with people all the time. But I do try to take up a lot of people who want to go, and they always get off the plane and go, "Wow, that that was really smooth. I thought it was going to be crazy, bumpy, or you know, dangerous taking off or landing." And you know, occasionally you do hit bombs, especially out here in the heat. And and pe- people don't like that. People who aren't used to it, that does really bother them. But I try to explain to them that's just the process. And these wings, these airplanes are made to handle anything, and it's just the way it goes. So, but yeah, it, it is nice to try to show people that aviation is really safe. Yeah,
0: it is. And it's one of those things that you just have to understand all the risks, risks that come with what you do. Whether that's driving your car, or whether that is flying an airplane, you just have to really respect the process. And that is a, a thorough pre-flight. That's making sure you're fueled right. That's making sure you're professional. Even if you're just a private pilot or a student pilot and, and just handling it like you like we said, like you know the risks that can come because you never know when that emergency is going to happen, when some kind of right. failure is going to happen, and you got to be ready for it. But it's still, like you said, it's a very safe process, but you just have to respect it and and know what the risks are.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. And you, and you do have to take it very seriously. I've, I've had friends in the past, uh, a buddy of mine got his, he has his pilot's license and his wife told me, ah, I'm going to get my license and just, you know, just for every once in a while. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it, it would be good for you to learn, you know, especially flying with your husband. It's But it's not something you can do every once in a while. You got to, you got to take it on 110% or, or don't do it. That, that's my two cents on it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that you don't really want to take a lot of time off and then just go, hey, I'll give it a shot. I have already on the minimums think- with a crosswind in <laughs> the snow, no big deal. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, I gotta, so yeah, you later in life, you decide, I'm going to go give this a shot. I'm going to be in the air. I'm going to go fly. What did your family, parents, friends, anyone that has known you think about that? Because a lot of times the people that fly are ones that have wanted to do it from a very, very young age. Have always kind of looked to the sky and decided I should be up there. But with you later in life, what what was the reaction from from family, friends, everyone? Be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go be a pilot."
1: You know, everybody was really cool. My my dad was a pilot when he was when I was a little kid. So I don't think he flew too much, but he did get his pilot's license and he flew some. So he was completely cool with it, and he understood that. My mom, she was like, you know, I understand you like to do kind of crazy things, and you're into speed and just fun, fun things. So everybody, knowing my personality, they were into it. I used to race sprint cars in the dirt, which is extremely dangerous. Now, they thought that was crazy, and it was crazy. But, um, you know, I think anybody that that knows me or knows aviation knows there's like we like you said there's a process to it it's not like you're just going to go jump on a plane and take off all by yourself i mean there is a lengthy process an expensive one to make sure that you're doing it correctly and you're doing it safely for for you and everybody else but the one thing i i i love about aviation i always say it's the great equalizer and what i mean by that it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire you're going to start in a 172 just like everybody else. So I love that part about it because I've, I've met people before who had a lot of money and they would say, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go get my pilot's license. I'm going to go buy a King Air and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, I don't think you're going to, but good luck to you, you know, because you're, you're not going to get insured and you're it, it just it's a process. You, you just it just doesn't happen. So that's the one thing I do love about aviation. We all start at the same spot. You're flying private jets. I'm flying a twin. Joe blows flying a single engine, and then somebody else is flying a Gulfstream. But we all appreciate what we went through because we all went through it the same. And I think that's so cool. I love that about aviation. You can you can sit down with anybody in aviation. You can all t- talk about your start and w- where you began in aviation. You all pretty much have the same same beginning, don't you think? I mean. We all started
0: in the same. Yeah, I agree. I think what's really interesting about aviation and kind of with uh, with me and I feel like other people as well, especially if you're in it professionally, uh, when I mean professionally, like airline, you want to go the distance. You want to fly corporate airlines, whatever it is, do this as your full-time job. I think it's really funny that you just, when you're in the 172, all you can do is stare at the king air. all you can do is stare at the air or all you can do is stare at the bigger plane and you just want the bigger, better, better. And then when you get to the bigger and better plane, say you're flying the, the 737, you're flying a latitude, you're flying whatever it is, you kind of look back at a smaller plane, like, man, that'd be fun to kind of just do whatever I want in an airplane again or go fly and just not have to worry about a flight plan or just kind of have the freedom back again. And not saying you don't have freedom when you're flying that, but it's really an interesting perspective of, uh, of a new pilot versus someone that reaches or where they go, they kind of look back and yearn for for the, for the older flying and the older airplanes, where when you're younger, you're always looking for the next and best plane. you are like, I want to fly that. I want to fly that.
1: It, you're so right about that, and uh, I I think that's that's the cool part about aviation. There's no end game. I mean, you can do whatever you want, all based on what your wallet will provide. But um, I, but it's true, though. I mean, I mean, I talk to you know commercial pilots all the time. They're like, I miss flying the 172 because. You can fly low and you can see and look out the window. And then when you get commercial, you you know, everything's uh, instrument. You, you get up high and you don't see anything. And it's just a, it's a different feeling. So, I mean, I understand that's a job and people love that. But I think people do miss the 172 or the smaller planes, no doubt about it. Absolutely.
0: One thing, what did you, what surprised you the most about aviation from coming over? Uh, was there anything in particular, it could be for the good or it could be for the worst, but something just like you weren't expecting to find out when you joined the aviation world?
1: Uh, you know, for me, it was that I was able to do it because I've been removed from school for a long time, was never that great of a student, terrible test taking. And so that part freaked me out. I was like, gosh, am I going to be able to... One sit down and study and and you know sit there like like a good student that I never was and I'm am I going to be able to take all this stuff in and remember it that that was hard for me because I was what was I I was forty I guess four upper forties when I did this and like a lot of people out there it's like geez I haven't been in school in a long time so that part I was really concerned about I was just worried that I would be able to take all this in and keep it and really learn it and understand it but I was able to do it I mean sometimes it's hard to sit down with everything you got going on in life and make yourself study and, and to, to understand aviation, especially some of the stuff. I mean, you know, I flew in a six with a six pack, uh, uh panel and I, I couldn't even tell you what all that stuff means today, but to be able to understand that and the, the VORs and where to find yourself and just all that stuff can be really difficult in the beginning, but I guess I'm shocked that I was actually able to do it. So trust me, if I can do it, Justin, anybody can do it.
0: Well, it's just like everything in life, right? Like you you build in baby steps. You you don't become the the commercial pilot or instrument pilot you are today without the struggles you've had in the past. You you fail that you don't fail lessons, but you don't do well in lessons, or maybe you do fail lessons and you learn and you become better. It's kind of like you don't start um, first grade with calculus. You build your way up. It's the same thing with flying. You, you work on the basics. You go from there, and every single day you just kind of extend your comfort zone and you extend your knowledge and become better and better every single day. So it, it's just like everything else in life, and it's really crazy. It's like you said. Like if if you can do it, anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Just just go for it if you want to do it.
1: Yeah, you're you're so right. I remember my instructor going, "Okay, what we're going to talk about today is going to be so foreign to you. You're just not going to understand it." And they were right. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. But then you get up in the plane, you're like, it'll all make sense. It just it's a process. It'll all start to come around as you start to fly. and like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. And then the best part is, you know, as you continue to fly and you forget things or you're like, I don't remember how to do this or what you said, you can keep going back and checking on it and everything. And so that, that is the great part. Not, I, you know, everybody says your education with aviation never ends. I mean, you have to be open-minded and always know you're not the smartest guy and, so I try to get information from pilots that I talk to all the time, always asking questions. And I, I am in constant contact with my instructors. I'll have a flight. I'll call them and go, hey, what was this? I, I didn't get this right or whatever. So it's always nice to be able to stay in touch with your instructors. And it's like a lifelong relationship. I mean, I mean, you know, this isn't something you you study and you're learning. You never go back and do that again. You're constantly studying, especially as you step up through your different steps that they, you know, like you did with all your ratings.
0: Do you think becoming a pilot has helped you in either your personal life or with your other careers?
1: Yeah, because you have to manage a bunch of things at once. I've always felt that uh, I could manage, I could do several things at once and that's helped me even be able to do that more. I can, I can have my mind working on three or four different things at the same time that maybe I didn't used to be able to do because you have to do that flying. You have to be able to listen to the tower, give you instructions while you're doing things with your hands, while you're concentrating on where you're flying and what your next move is going to be. So, yeah, to be able to do a bunch of different things at once, it's been great for that for me.
0: There's a lot, of, I get a lot of DMs from people, especially people that are kind of uh, older in life. And they're like, hey, I still want to be a pilot. I've been a plumber my whole life. I've been an electrician. Uh, I've been a lawyer. I've been an engineer, but I w- I've always wanted to fly. But w- like, they just always had this kind of block in their head. Like, maybe I'll do it in a year. Maybe I'll do it in two years. I'll, raise, I'll get a couple more dollars. I'll, I'll raise some more. What would you say to someone that's later in life? Um they don't have to be like crazy old, like not like 60, 70, could be even like 25, 30, 40, but you're not like that 16-year-old pilot doing this for the rest of your life. What would you say to them? Uh, I guess other than just like, just do it, but what would you say, like some good advice for someone to to tell them that the the more you wait, the more you're going to regret it because you just need to get in now and and you do need to just do it.
1: Yeah, you're so right about that. I mean, I'm like, I just turned 60 and I'm like, God, where did life go? I mean, it seemed like, I just graduated from college yesterday, and here I am. I've done so many things in my life. I, I, all the time, I think, I wish I would have flown when I was in my 20s or, or when I could afford it financially. Probably not when I was in my 20s, but I wish, I wish I would have done it a long time ago because I just missed out on so many great years of flying, and I was talking to my mom today who's 90, and actually, I'm in my hangar right now at Deer Valley Airport, and she drove out to see me this morning she's 90 and she just still drives her car around and she said i said you know i go mom i'm so proud of you still driving at the age of 90 that's amazing i go but someday you know you're you're not gonna be able to drive anymore and she goes what are you talking about And i go well mom at some point in your life it's not going to be safe and you're not going to fly anymore and and she goes no i plan to drive right up until i die and i said well God bless you if, you, if you're if you able to do that. I said, but it's just like me. At some point in my life, I'm going to have to make the decision that I'm not safe flying anymore. Now, I hope that's a long time down the road, but we all, we all have to make that decision. So my point being, I wish I could have enjoyed it many, many more years. I mean, I hope by the time my career is over, I got 25 hours of flying. But had I started in my 30s, I mean, I just wish I would have done that because flying's been – an amazing part of my life. So if you're, so if you're sitting at home and you can scrape up the funds to do it, I say, go for it and do it now because I promise you, you'll be, you'll finish and you'll go, you know, that guy was right. This is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm just so glad. Even if you do it and maybe only, you know, you don't fly that often, but you still hang out with friends to be involved in the aviation community. I mean, it's just, it's the best thing I've ever done. So find out how you can do it and go for it, no matter what your age is.
0: So how'd you get into to newscasting? How'd you get into TV? What was the uh, the origin behind that?
1: Well, the truth of the matter was I was in college and I went through about five different majors and I thought, well, this one sounds easy, <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, seriously, I just, I've always liked the news and you know, the 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 camera part of it of shooting pictures. Um, you know, I never thought about myself being on TV, but that's what it turned into. So I you know, I'm I'm in people's living rooms and bedrooms every single morning. And I've been on channel three here in Phoenix for about thirty-two years now. So it's it's been a long time, but it's a it's a nice I, I work in the morning, so I have my afternoons and evenings where I can spend it with aviation. so it's just this is something I studied in college and I stuck with it and I'm glad I did even though it's a crazy time right now and fewer and fewer people watch TV uh, but it's still it's been a great career and it's been a wonderful meeting the people that I've met and doing the things that I've done. I feel like uh,
0: there's one parallel between maybe a career pilot and a career newscaster or someone on TV. Uh, it's a lot of delayed gratification. It's a lot of putting in a lot of work when you're younger and kind of taking, well, maybe the crappy jobs or taking as many jobs as you can and really sacrificing for your end goal. Uh, am I am I right on that?
1: Oh, you are so right. I know. You know, as a pilot, you probably have to fly the smaller commuter planes and things like that. That you know, and you're looking up at the big the big boys, and you want to be in that left seat. Well, it was the same for me. I mean. When I started television, I started in the smallest market, which was Kirksville, Missouri. So markets are markets are all on a number basis. So, you know, number one and two are Los Angeles and New York. Uh, Phoenix is now under 10. It's top 10. It's I don't know. I think we're eight or nine. But I started in 210, Kirksville, Missouri, and um, I was making $10,000 a year. In fact, my first two jobs was that in Palm Springs, California where I was morning anchor and, and, or weekend anchor $10,000 a year. I mean, think about that. I worked the whole year. My, my paycheck every two weeks was like 300 bucks. So you, there's no way, no way I could have afforded flying back then. But uh, actually my first experience with a small plane when I was in Kirksville, Missouri, I had a friend and he was uh, in college and he was a pilot he goes, Hey, you want to go flying sometime? I go, I would love to. So we went out to the local airport and it was probably a 172 or something like that we went up and i'll never forget we got up in the air and all of a sudden smoke started coming out from the cowling and it scared the hell out of me i'm like what's going on he goes i don't know but i got to come back around and land we came back around and landed a bird there was a bird's nest in the cowling and a bird had built a nest up in there and they didn't put any cowling covers in there and so that, that got my attention, but it was, it was all good. But anyway, that, that was my kind of first experience to a, a, a yeah. small airplane. So your
0: first experience and your first lesson you learn in aviation yeah. was to never trust yeah. someone else
1: during a pre-flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. There was no, he didn't look up in there under the pre-flight, but you know, things like that happen and we were okay. But, um, yeah, that, so anyway, yeah. To, to, to your, to your question, I, I paid my dues. I worked and, I've always worked two and three jobs just to get by. And that's unfortunately the nature of television news. It's just not high paying. And so, yeah, it's, it was a struggle. But, uh, you know, later in life, I had the opportunity to fly and I'm glad I did.
0: Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. At RAA, they believe you deserve a team of experts who understand the specifics of your airline along with your personalized goals for the future. Because a solid financial plan needs to take all those factors into account. And after 30 years serving pilots, RAA's airline specialized advisors understand the details and challenges that come with a life spent flying the line, from health and retirement benefits to the many factors that might affect your financial life and security. So whether you're just entering the airline industry or nearing your final flight, the team at RAA is ready to support your journey from takeoff to touchdown. Learn more about how RAA can address the financial challenges you face during your career and in retirement at raa.com backslash pilot to pilot. That's pilot, T-O, pilot. So as uh, for so a pilot, that's well, we'll do kind of like a your thought process and what you you were thinking to to continue to do this. Because as a pilot, you are uh, flying. Maybe you're flying a four twenty one for Cape Air in the Northeast. And you've done like thirteen legs in the soup, and you're you're just really down. You know, you're like, gosh, this seven eighty seven captain is so far away. Like, I don't know if I'll ever get there. Maybe I should just do something else. I'm guessing a similar TV. You're like, man, Kirksville. Like, uh, I'm never gonna get out of here. What am I doing? Wasting my time? I could go make fifty grand at the bank back home. What was it for you or what do you recommend for people that, you know, have this dream and this would make them so happy, but they just are so fed up in the moment? What's your recommendation to someone to to look past the moment and realize that this is just temporary and just to keep plugging along?
1: Well, I think it all boils down to what your what your end goal is and how much pleasure you're getting in doing that. I mean, if you're working in a job and, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going up and flying that 421 through weather and it's just not fun for you, maybe you should find another career. I mean, first of all, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Even even though I was making 10 grand a year, I still really got a kick out of the job and the people I was meeting. And I get bored doing the same thing. I could never work in a bank just because that's my personality. So for me, it just it was good for me and my personality. I It was different every day. It was always exciting to me. And even though the money wasn't there, I knew that someday I would get there. I just knew I had to work my tail off. And it's the same thing with the pilot. If you're you know, flying a commuter somewhere, I would imagine if that's kick-ass to you and it's something that you really love doing, then stick with it. Because if you work your tail off, you're going to get to where you want to be and you're going to be in that 737 or, or whatever, you, you know, whatever your goal is. You know, it's just like life in general. I think some people, you know, they, they, they get frustrated with not having everything they want to have at their first job or early in life. And you know, as well as I do, you got to work your tail off. I mean, nothing, nothing. My dad always told me, you got to work your butt off. There's nothing that substitutes that. And he's right. I mean, some people reach it a lot earlier than I did in life. Some people are super successful in their 20s and 30s. And that wasn't me. It took me forever. Nothing came easy for me. And, and, it, and it, everything happened later in life. And so if you enjoy what you're doing stick with it. If you don't like what you're doing, then find something that that you do like.
0: Yeah. And I think Instagram and social media in general have really kind of hurt the ability to kind of stay in it for the long run because you see so many people living a good life. You see so many people doing things that you love to do and you are just so fed up. You're like, I can't do it anymore. I want that lifestyle now. But that doesn't happen. You don't build that lifestyle now. Everyone that you're looking up to has been in the same position. Maybe not everyone. Some people are way more fortunate than others, but a lot of people are, are, have been in the same shoes as you. They put in their time, they put in their hours, they put in whatever it may be. They worked in Kirksville, Missouri. They did all that stuff to get to where they are today. And you don't see that in Instagram. You just see the finished product. You just see them living the life that you want and you don't see the 99% of the life that it took to get there. And I think that Instagram can not hurt that in a way. You just have to remember, like we talked about, just put in the work and keep going.
1: Yeah. I mean, I look at Instagram. I love to watch uh, YouTube videos of flying. I love all the cool pictures and little snippets on Instagram of uh, aviation. And I, I mean, let's face it, there are people out there that are extremely successful who have private jets. Uh, younger in life, they're flying private jets. They're, you know, they have drive Ferraris. But I've never let that bother me. I always look up to that and go, "Wow, I'm, I'm." That's really cool. And I'd like to get there someday. If I do, great. If I don't, that's the way life goes. But I'm gonna work my tail off to try to get there on whatever it is. It, you know, it doesn't have to be a cool car. It can be your own home or maybe a 182 RG is your goal in life. It's attainable if you just work work your life, you know, work work your tail off. I mean, I'm 60. Some people are retiring at my age. I feel like I'm just going. I am just getting started. So I'm I'm very pleased to be at my age and, and just having a 421. I'm excited as hell. And it's taken me a life of hard work to get to this point. And I'm blessed and honored. And I, and I never failed to remember that. But I also feel like, gosh, I'm not going to retire when I'm 65. I'm, I'm just getting going. So I'm excited for the opportunity and I, you know, everything God gave me. And I'm going to keep going. I'm never going to stop until the day I die.
0: Talk about uh, airplanes that you buy. What was your mindset? You, you want to buy an airplane. You're going to go search for something. Most people go look for maybe a, uh, a, a 182, a, uh, a Piper. And <laughs> you straight go, RV6, you want to go fast. What was it about the RV6? Or was it always an RV? Or did you eventually get pulled that way?
1: No, I just started looking around at planes. And I was like, hey, these RVs are really cool. They're experimentals, which if you know anything about airplanes, they're built by Really smart people, and they're just as good as any other plane. And I just like the looks of them. I like the, I like a low uh, wing, and this one had a fancy paint job. It had two hundred horsepower. It had a little bit of glass on the panel. and I just thought it was really cool looking. and so, and I loved the price. I was like, well, gosh, I can swing that price and you know, put it on a payment plan. I didn't have the cash for it. and i was I was able to afford it. it was it was cheap insurance wise. And it was cheap to fly, and so I went. I just went for it. I loved that RV. My uh, girlfriend and I at the at the time, we flew that thing everywhere. And I I put one of those little uh, cooler ACs in the back. Did you put ice in and it would blow cold air? So we had AC here in the summertime, and I just made it work. I loved that plane, and I could fly fast, and and uh, I, I I just really loved it. And then I wanted to get something of, a little you know, with AC and maybe a little faster, better avionics. So I found a Columbia 400 and I love that plane. That was one of my favorite planes I've ever seen or flown, got compliments to wherever I went. And so I flew that for a few years and I thought, you know, I want to get pressurized. I want to get twin and I want to go higher and faster. Well, at the time I decided that gas prices weren't what they are today. This was a couple a year ago. And so I sold my Columbia to a buddy of mine. And then I couldn't find a plane. I, I, I bought a 340 and it fell through for various reasons. Then I found another 340 that I loved and that fell through for various reasons. And so I was like six months without a plane. and It was getting very frustrating because I hadn't flown that in that time. So I was afraid I was going to lose everything. And then all of a sudden here comes these high gas prices. And then I found this 421. And then it took another three months for it to be, you know, everything I wanted done on it. So I was a long time without flying the whole, you know, most of last year. And so my instructors got a SIM, so I did that. And then I flew as 310 just to hang in there and, you know, still be comfortable. And finally it happened, but it, it was frustrating not flying all that time. But th- those are my reasons for the planes. I, I, wa- I thought that 340 would be best for me. Uh, but my instructor said, "No, man, you got to get a 421. It's so comfortable. It's so great to fly. It's it's fast. It's high. You're gonna love it. And I'm glad I did get this. This plane kicks ass. I love it so far." Yeah,
0: 421s are awesome machines. They are. They are phenomenal airplanes. Is there gonna yeah, be? Do
1: I do I worry? Do I worry that it's gonna nickel and dime me to death? Yes, I do. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I know. I know that's. I know that's part of it. And I'm ready for that, but, um, you know, I've had it for a month and and so far it's been wonderful.
0: A three ten would nickel and dime you to death as well. So, I mean,
1: you're right. right? What the heck? Yeah. It's, it's it's back, it's back to, if you want it, just go for it worry about it when, when the problem shows up. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of me.
0: So I, Columbia 400, uh, it interests me because the Columbia 400, I mean, I, a lot of people, I think it's a Cirrus if they, if they don't know really the difference, what was it about the Columbia that really sold you? Was it price? Was it, uh, the, the mission of it? Was it just kind of, uh, more your style or was it just, you never really wanted a Cirrus?
1: I looked at the Cirruses. they were just a little bit more expensive. I mean, obviously money's always an issue and I, I think I, I got an 06, It was the first year with the G 1000. So I love the avionics and it had, you know, I think it had 1100 hours on it and I was able to pick it up for three twenty six, which was a great deal. I love the Cirrus. I mean, I, I like the idea of the parachute and all that. And I think the interior is a little cooler, but you know, the the ones I was looking at were a hundred to 200,000 more at that time. And I just couldn't swing it. So I went with the Columbia and I just love that plane. It's, it's, well-built. There's backups to backups. There's two of everything. I always felt really safe in that Columbia. I, I never really flew it into weather, but I got caught in some rainstorms a couple, a couple times. And I always felt really safe in that thing. And it just was an outstanding airplane. I, I would recommend that till the day I die. It's a wonderful airplane.
0: Did you buy the Columbia before Cessna took it over?
1: Uh, no, I just, that was about four years ago. So they they were already making the TTX and that kind of thing. So uh, it was, uh, like I said, it was the first year with the Garmin 1000. I love the avionics. And so <clears throat> I learned that, which which helped for the 421 because it, it, I put a Garmin 6 in it tied to a 750. So automatically I knew how to run all that stuff but but this one's this one's touchscreen i just love it it's
0: so fun <laughs> it's hard to be i uh the latitude has a g5000 so we have uh, four oh touchscreen panels on That's, the side yeah they're great that
1: must be that must be amazing
0: Touchscreen's the way to go uh, everyone's always yeah. like wasn't a and turbine it's like i mean not really it's no different than turning a knob it's just so much nicer to have a touchscreen fingerprints are terrible but everything else is nice yeah
1: you're you're right about that i got this little thing that i cleaned the screen with but I, and I've, I have noticed that they're right about that. When you when you kind of hit some bumps, you're it's hard to keep your finger on the screen, but you just have to kind of do everything fast. But it's not that big of a deal. No, I I just really love like it, it though. It's like it's it's literally like messing around with your iPad at home.
0: Pretty much, yeah. A very yeah, fast iPad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very high, yeah. and very and fast iPad. In, and in your case. A really expensive one.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very expensive one. I think a latitude retails for sixteen million. So.
1: Oh my god. That's unbelievable. That that I can't even imagine what it feels like to fly that thing.
0: It's fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So before you ever fly it, you, you go into the, you do tons of sims, and it's crazy how realistic those sims are. You
1: feel like you were flying it for real. It's amazing how as you go from plane to plane. You know, the takeoff speeds are so much different, but a little bit different landing. So the Columbia was, I think I took off right around 80 knots. The 421's 95 knots. And then you're coming in, you know, 120 knots over the fence. I'm sure you're quite a bit faster, but that's the part that, you know, I remember the first time I took off in the 421. I'm like, God dang, we're hauling here, you know, before we left the ground. And I'm like, there's the end of the runway. We've got to get off the ground. And, uh, but you, but you get used to it really fast. I mean, the second, second, third flight, I never even thought about it again.
0: Yeah. The latitude can land very, very slow. So our ref speed is, um, 93 the slowest one I've ever seen is 93 knots and we fly V ref plus 10 and then have to be ref plus three, uh, over the threshold. So we can, it's a, that wing is so long and it can fly forever. It, it flies so slow. So there's, there's a, a chance that you might be out running a latitude one time on final. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. And it
0: stops so quick. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Do you see in the future at all? Do you see the 421 being your last plane? Or, I mean,
1: let's say everything you know, goes perfectly no. well for you, keep moving up? No, I I would like to get a small jet, whether it's a Mustang or a CJ, you know, a, 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 a Cessna, a CJ-1 or something like that. Or maybe the, the I was looking at the SP-501, uh, which was the single pilot, the first jets in the 70s. So, you know, I mean, if I, if i can sell a few more houses and make the money and afford it I, that that's my plan uh but i i am glad i got the 421 cuz i needed the experience i needed i needed to uh you know experience the twin engine and they say this this thing more it's got a lot more going on than some of the small jets out there as far as handling the systems and and so far i find it to be fairly easy to fly but I'm glad I'm doing it for the experience, whether, whether this is it, uh, whether in two years I never fly again, I'm just glad I did this.
0: Is the fuel system on the 421 complicated or kind of just like uh, uh, a little bit out there, like the 310 was, or is it different? Do you know? Th-
1: this one's a little easier. So I have the 421 C, the B I understand was more difficult The C, There's, there's a hundred gallons in each uh, wing and then in the nacelle, you've got, uh, I think, 31 gallons. So you just keep the tabs on, on the main gas. And then when you burn, I think, 70 gallons, then you hit these switches, and then you pump the, the nacelle fuel into the main wing. So I found it to be very easy. I, I have had no issues with it. I, th- I think it's fairly fairly simple.
0: Because the 310 can bite you in the butt if you're not on it, if you're not paying attention. Yeah, that
1: one, you, you, you have to turn. I mean, this one, there's nothing to turn. Uh, but but that one, yeah, I, I understand you're changing the valves quite a bit. Even in the Columbia, you had to go. It didn't draw from both sides, so you had to go back and forth every you know ten gallons or whatever to keep things even. But that wasn't hard. It's just because it would pop up on your screen and tell you the the, the fuel is unbalanced. But um, you know, it's just it's all part of flying. There are things like you. You know, there's a lot of things you have to pay attention to. You you're not just sitting up there you know, reading a book. So there's things you got to pay attention to.
0: So for you that you found this, you never even knew that you really wanted to be a pilot until you had the opportunity. What would you say, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so many other people that are probably out there just like you that maybe they just don't think they're going to be a pilot. What can we do to get them in aviation? Uh, Pilots, uh, especially professional pilots and lifelong pilots are, are kind of harder to find and, and there's so many pilots that need to be hired by airlines. We need so many more. What can we do as an industry, as a community to, to get more people in aviation to expose more people
1: into it? Well, first it would be nice if we could lower gas prices. I think a lot, of, a lot of people, it's just that, you know, I think the, the, pro, the cost freaks people out, but at the same time, you can, you can get into aviation and you can fly a Cessna 172 very economically, uh, compared to other planes, obviously out there, but I think we, I think we have to work with young people. We need young people that want to make it a career or or have it in their life. And a lot of young people don't think about that. It's probably the last thing on their minds. Uh, and so somehow we need to make it accessible to young people. I know there's 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 aviation uh, you know events out there to try to get young people involved, but maybe go to schools and talk to talk to students about aviation and how wonderful it is and how it it is attainable if they want to do that so we i think just you know a lot of people aren't exposed to it i fortunately was through my job and like like we said earlier and maybe i wouldn't have gotten into it had i not been exposed to going up in airplanes but not everybody has that opportunity so somehow we need to make it accessible to more people
0: absolutely and and the cost is huge and just Really, people don't know about aviation. they I mean, they know, but they don't know, one, how easy it is to get into, um, how you can get a job relatively soon out of college and start paying back some of that stuff. Now you're not going to be flying for the airlines most likely, but you can definitely start paying back those loans relatively quickly now, which is not quickly, but you, you can start helping to pay back those loans if you go the loan route, being a CFI, because they pay way more. Because CFIs, I remember when I was in 2010, when I was in college, Ohio State, my instructor was making 10 grand a year so it's very very similar there's so many parallels between a lot of industries where there's either a high career earning at the end or kind of like a high profile where it's just such delayed gratification and if this is something you want you just got to put in the work and you got to keep grinding and 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 put it out and i think aviation there's probably more people that can make it in aviation than maybe it can make it in the tv world too that's probably a little bit more doggy dog world
1: yeah trust me it is and uh yeah and there's fewer jobs but you're right about that. I mean, I know pilots uh, who do very well. I mean, I don't know what they make. I've, I've heard four five hundred thousand and then, you know, they work for the major airlines now. Granted, they it didn't happen overnight like we're talking about. I mean, you got to work your tail off and you got to put in years and years. But that is the that's the case with most careers. I mean, people that think they're going to go out there in their 20s and make hundreds of thousands of dollars right off the bat. It, j- it just doesn't happen to very many people unless, you know, maybe you start your own business, which is fantastic. But for for the rest of us, you just got to stay in there and keep working and working and working and it will happen, but it can be very rewarding financially uh, working in uh, for, for a airline from, from what I understand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great lifestyle to go off of. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's just hard to get that job. It's hard to get in sometimes. It might be getting easier now with airlines needing pilots. Very, very bad. So it's a very good time to get in aviation. And then the uh, the kind of elephant in the room with aviation and becoming a pilot now is when is single pilot going to happen? When are kind of the more drone operators going to kick in? So it's a it's a very good time to get in right now, but you always have to kind of be cognizant of future and technology and how things can change.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, you you, you know, speaking of drones i mean we've always had a helicopter as part of our television show but it's just getting so expensive these days uh and our drone i mean we use our drone every single day and it's kind of taken over the helicopter so they don't we share all the all the tv uh, stations in this market share one helicopter so we don't have our own anymore but we had our we've had our own as long as i've been here and the pilot was all the, always the personality but they just don't do that anymore because of, it's so expensive. So we, we use a drone every single day. So, I mean, you can go out there and be a drone operator and, and have a career doing that as well. I know a lot of people do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Scott, I have some rapid fire questions for you. These are aviation okay. quick questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind and you you don't have to explain anything. You just say it and then we'll move on.
1: That's okay. Right? All right.
0: What's your favorite airplane ever made?
1: uh Cessna jets
0: what's your favorite corporate air jet so like uh let's say like a Gulfstream or like a big corporate jet without a doubt Gulfstream your favorite airliner if you could choose one to maybe be a pilot of or just fly on what would be your favorite
1: Uh, I I, I think Southwest Airlines
0: what about the ugliest airplane you've ever seen
1: (laughs) I don't even know the name of it what's that what's that little plane that uh it sits down. There's no nose. It just sits down oh, on the ground. The nose yeah. of it. What is that thing called? I
0: don't know what it is
1: either. But that, I mean, that plane's I mean, so foreign to cool. me. <laughs> yeah, it is foreign. I I, I don't want to say it's ugly. It's 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 interesting, and and it's a. It's, I guess it's a cool little plane. But the way it sits there on the on the runway is really bizarre. There's no t- There's no nose wheel. It just sits on its nose.
0: I heard it's a rocket though. That thing can move.
1: Oh, I'm sure it does. And I don't want to offend anybody that owns them. I know nope, nothing about offended. them. I they're just, offended. I just, they're right I just in the hate mail peculiar. right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah. I am. I, no, I just think they're peculiar, the way they sit on the on the ramp.
0: What's something you wish you knew before you became a pilot? The expense. Who in the industry, aviation industry would you like to meet most? It could be someone that has died or someone that uh, you follow on Instagram or an aviation account on YouTube. Just someone you would want to meet the most.
1: Sully, without a doubt.
0: What's your overall favorite thing about aviation? Hardest, and, or I guess the worst flight you've ever had.
1: Uh, through uh, intense uh, winds over in Palm Springs. I mean, we almost died. It was pretty scary, but yeah. On landing turbulence. or just, uh, just bumps in the valley? Uh, turbulent, tur- turbulence, trying to get the plane down through, through turbulence.
0: I'm not a, that's a very uh, interesting place to come in and land, especially when you're coming over the mountain or even just coming yeah. through the valley. There's uh those winds are whipping. It is a very turbulent area to be, and it cannot be fun. Yeah. And they keep you so no in the jet world, they keep you very, very high. Uh, and you have to figure out a way to come down very, very fast, stay on speed. And then it gets turbulent. It's a, uh, it's a lot going on when you're landing at Palm Springs, thermal, or uh, what's the other Bermuda dunes, my, one of my yeah, least favorite airports in the whole world.
1: <laughs> It was all I could do to get the plane down safely. That was uh, quite the experience.
0: So you have an experience like that. What goes through your mind? Are you uh, going to go get lunch and then going back up in 20 minutes or an hour? Or are you like, all right, we're done for the day. I don't want to look at this airplane.
1: I was trying to get to, uh, to uh, Orange County over to uh, John Wayne Airport. And uh, I wasn't an instrument yet. So I hit a whole layer of clouds. I couldn't get over them. I couldn't get around them, under them. So I was stuck. And then all of a sudden, we hit turbulence going across Salton Sea that was water bottles were flying through the plane. It was so scary. So I, I did what I had learned, slow down as much as you can and hang on for the ride. And I looked over to my my girlfriend and I told her, I go, I'm going to get us down, don't worry. So we tried to land into Palm Springs. I thought, I, we got we to gotta land here. So they sent me in for the right runway, which was the shorter runway. And I came down to try to land and I, I couldn't get the plane down. I was all over the place. And so I said, I got to go do do a go around. I need the left side, the longer runway. So they sent me way down. I had to follow a jet in. And I was, the forces were pushing the plane down. I was like, my my girlfriend, bless her heart. She did not say a word. She goes, I know, I trust you. I'm gonna let you handle this. I mean, it was everything I could do to keep the plane in the air. I felt like I was being pushed down. So I, land, I came in with no flap landing at literally like 115, 120 knots and actually I had a quite smooth landing. I go into the FBO there, or I pull up, and the guy goes, sir, your, smokes, your uh, brakes are smoking. And I go, so is my ass. And, and uh, so we went inside, and several of the jets had to do go-arounds. One private jet, uh, the guy in the back was, get threw up in the back of the plane, it was so bad. And so we went to a hotel, and there were 80 mile an hour winds in this storm that came through. And somehow I got it down and, and, and we were, we, we lived to tell about it. So we, flew, we flew the next day, but I was okay, uh, staying on the ground that night, but it was pretty crazy, but, but you got to have those experiences so you can, you know, it's a learning
0: experience yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are never fun. It's always good to be on the ground. And yeah. Like, Oh God, yeah, for
1: sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: All right. What's your favorite flight you've ever flown?
1: Uh, into Mexico, Loreto, Mexico. We we used to go down there with a group from here, and uh, we land in Loretto, Mexico. And uh, then the next day, you get up and you fly across about literally 15, 20 minutes over to the Pacific side, and then uh, land on a dirt strip, and then go out on these boats, and you get to see the whales. The whales come up. They're migrating there, so they come up, and you can pet them. It was the most phenomenal. We did that like three years in a row. Most cool. phenomenal uh, trip I've ever done. What's your favorite airport to land at? Um, probably Sedona. Least favorite airport? Probably Sedona. <laughs>
0: <laughs> IFR or VFR? What would you rather fly? Uh, IFR. What's your favorite airport food? We can do this two ways. Let's say for work, somehow you have to commute, or not commute, you have a connecting flight you're in a major airport. What's your go-to food in a major airport?
1: you know, this sounds horrible, but probably a Coke and a bag of M&Ms. <laughs> I am a ju- junk food junkie.
0: I love it. All right. Let's say you are, uh, you're flying near three twenty one. Maybe you're going back to the Ozarks and you stop at a, an airport. What's your, uh, you get a crew car. What's your go-to You in barbecue? You getting Chick-fil-A. What are you getting?
1: Uh, Dumas, Texas. It's a wonderful little airport. It's halfway between here and Missouri. We stop there every time for fuel because fuel is always incredibly cheap. I mean, we were paying like two bucks a gallon uh, last year and the year before. I don't know what it is today, but they have the most amazing barbecue place right there. So I've gotten a crew car and gone into town and spent the night there before. But the the barbecue in Dumas, Texas is to die for. It reminds me of the barbecue I grew up with back in Kansas City.
0: It sounds like, uh, remember that commercial where the guy sits down for, uh, for an interview and it says his name on there and it's Dumas? And he goes, hey, Mister yeah, Dumas. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like exactly that. right. It's, Just make sure you
0: say Dumas, right?
1: Yeah, it's Moore County Airport is the name of it, there but it's go. in Dumas, Texas, or Dumas, however they say
0: it. Uh, what's your favorite airline livery?
1: Uh, oh gosh, um, airline delivery livery. So uh, a paint scheme. Oh, oh, paint scheme. Yeah, oh, so Olivia. Um I guess uh, the the Southwest ones. Artist check ride. probably the the multi coming in uh under the hood on one engine uh, coming in on a an approach was extreme they said that's the hardest thing you'll ever do and it was what's the
0: biggest win of your career so far could be something in television could be something with homes or it could be aviation
1: um i mean i've won emmy awards in television before but that kind of stuff doesn't turn me on too much uh building a house and selling it and reaping the rewards of hard work for two or three years, years—that that's the biggest reward for me.
0: Biggest regret of your career if you have one. So maybe like something, not necessarily a regret, but something you wish you wouldn't have done maybe or uh, maybe getting an aviation earlier.
1: It would have to be aviation earlier. I wish I could. I wish I had the means to do it in my 20s and 30s. I, I do. I really do. I think about that a lot.
0: If you could buy any tail dragger again, and not like a super fast one, I'm talking about low and slow. What tail dragger would you buy?
1: Oh uh, well, gosh, what's what's the? Uh, I can't think of the name of what's the ones that are so popular. Carbon cubs. I love those. Yes, I cubs? love carbon cubs. Yeah. I, I think those are so cool. They are pretty sick. And Big I'd like carbon. to buy a. I'd like to buy one of those planes so I could land in the water too. I've always wanted to do that. Icon. Yeah, I love the icons. They're, hey, I, I was I, just looking.
0: I'm really good friends with one of the salesmen, so you you give me the word, I'll let him
1: know. <laughs> I was just looking at one. There was a little airplane show here at Scottsdale uh, last last week or the week before, and they had one there, and I, I just think they're super cool.
0: Yeah, they're pretty cool. Like I said, do you ever got the itch for one? Let me know. Send yours, send yours <laughs> way. All
1: right. Well, <laughs> I gotta pay. For, I gotta pay for fuel with this 421 right? first. I know. Yeah, completely <laughs>
0: understand. Uh, well, Scott, those are all the questions I have for you. I only have one more question, so I kind of lied. But uh, what are your three kind of tips to live by? So for your life, like three kind of truths that you you have in your life that that you really hold on to to get you through and to get you where you are today, what, what, what would those be?
1: I always live for today and tomorrow. I never look back because we, you know, we all have regrets. We all make mistakes. I always look forward to tomorrow. Um, one, the other one is... Uh, you got to work your butt off, no matter what you do in life, because nothing comes easy. At least it didn't for me. So I've always had to work really hard, and things came to me later in life. And uh, the other one, I guess, is uh, no regrets. I mean, things happen for a reason. I totally believe that, and that's what I live by.
0: I love it. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Justin. Continued safeness, uh, safety for you up there in the skies, and. I hope to meet you someday soon. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that is a wrap of episode 200 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. It is so weird to say 200. My whole flow is off uh, 199, 198. They just flowed so well. And now you're in 200 and you're just kind of like, blah. But... Two hundred—it's crazy. I uh, never thought when I started this we'd still be here. here honestly, uh, thank you so much to everyone that's listening to this podcast. Shared it, bought coffee, bought shirts, bought hats. Uh, Twenty twenty-two is hopefully shaping up to be a pretty big year for Pilot the Pilot. Big goals have always had big goals for the brand, and I've always wanted to keep taking it and keep building it. Uh, so who knows what's going to come true this year? A lot of exciting things uh, from from personal, from family. My wife's graduating from medical school. We're going to be moving most likely it's just a lot going on. It's going to be a lot of change. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to keep these weekly podcasts and we're going to keep building and keep growing. The Aviation Nation is strong. Uh, so, so like I said, please share this, get more people on board, subscribe, follow, check out Pilots Coffee. Uh, I hope everyone's having a great day. And as always, happy flying.